I want to welcome you to episode number 79, Interview with Aaron Weiss. He's the lead singer of my favorite band, Me Without You. Luke turned me on to the band years ago. We named the song, uh, we named the podcast after this band. And through some careful arrangement with our uh, friend of the show, Colin Parrish, transitory deacon Colin Parrish, we were able to set up an interview with Aaron Weiss and me without you. And this is the coolest thing because imagine it's your favorite band. And you get to do the interview on their tour bus after they give you free tickets to their show. I was so excited. Unfortunately, Luke and Colin couldn't be there, but they sent me some of their questions via text message. And so this is the interview. It's kind of, uh, well, it's it's on a bus. So you got to expect that uh, the audio quality is not going to be perfect. But guys, let me tell you, we could not have done this interview without your support of our show without your ongoing uh, listening. I hope this is interesting to you because for me, meeting someone who spiritually is extremely diverse, encountering all sorts of different Muslim, Jewish, and Christian philosophies and theologies and spiritualities, um, it was fascinating just to sit down with this guy on his tour bus at 10 o'clock at night in downtown Houston. His wife and his beautiful little daughter were, well, his daughter was running around. His wife was just sitting there. But uh, it was it was wonderful. It was a cool experience. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, and I was trying my very best. You could tell by how much I talked during each question. I was trying my very best not to disclose how giddy slash nervous I was. But uh, I think it comes through. So... This is episode 79, Interview with Aaron Weiss. I hope you like it, guys. Again, March 8th, we are having our meetup. Uh, the first time Catching Foxes will be together for a meetup. So in my opinion, it's the first official meetup. And we are going to be at Deacon Baldy's in Magnolia, Texas on Wednesday, March 8th. It's going to be amazing. I want everyone from Texas A&M to come. It's going to be awesome. I want everyone to Houston, Sugarland, everyone in Navasota, Dallas. Y'all need to be here. Right, Thomas? Daddy. See you, buddy. There you go. You heard it from Noah. Bye. Enjoy the show. But um, anywho, no, so how this all got started was me and Luke started a podcast, my co-host, we started, well, I'm his co-host, uh, started a podcast called Catching Foxes, mm-hmm. and we started that uh, almost two years ago, in yeah. April 15th, I think, will be two years ago, and uh, we talk, we're, we're <laughs> hello, we're both uh, Catholics, we went to the same college in Ohio, uh, pretty different kind of backgrounds. It is really sad that he's not here because he's the one that introduced me to me without you. Okay. He's the music fanatic. He was, um, I feel like he's been to every single thing produced by Tooth and Nail Records back in the day. Um, he was in. He was into everything and uh, Project Eighty Six, Norma Jean, all that stuff. And then uh, he got to Franciscan where we went to school, and he introduced me to all the crazy music that I, you know, me and my. You know, Nirvana was as crazy as I got. Yeah. Uh, type music. And then when it came to your music... <laughs> no, no, no. This is perfect. It's perfect. When it came to your music, it was... Uh, you guys instantly became my favorite band, right? And so when we decided, you know, 15 years later to do a podcast, we were trying to come up with a title. And, uh, you know, we were thinking... Uh, 
me and you. No, don't, we can't play up the me without you, man. We can't do that. Like, don't be stupid and lame. But uh, I had a pretty significant spiritual moment in my life while reading the Song of Songs. And uh, I have always had Song of Songs chapter 2, verses 8 through 17 tattooed on my brain. Uh, my wedding ring kind of goes back to that um, in Hebrew. And how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Good. And we were talking about it, and I just said, what if we call it Catch for Us the Foxes? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we got to come up with something. So we decided to go with Catching Foxes. Yeah, more concise. Yeah, yeah. And, well, it's funny because so, no one knows what that name means if they don't know either the album or that particular <laughs> verse. Although when I Google it, there's a lot of bands that, <laughs> Christian bands that draw on that Song of Songs, Catching Foxes imagery. Uh, and so uh, it was just really funny. So, so someone thought it was a, a pickup artist podcast trying what to seduce that? women. Whoa. Like, oh, oh, go get yeah. you some foxes. Yeah, so right. Like, oh, oh, gosh. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So anywho, so that's how all, like, all this got started. When I found out you were coming to Houston, um, we were like, okay, let's set wheels in motion. And then Colin actually was the one that got a hold of your manager, Mike, okay. and got it, really got everything going. Cool. So, yeah. Now we're here. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to come out and yeah, get, get and, and and with all your kids and your wife at home and everything. <laughs> it, um, it, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. Are we already going? We're going. This, this okay. Is, this is this it. Is, this is so funny because every time we interview someone, about five minutes into it, they're like, "So, so when is do we this start?" The show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how long have you guys uh, been a band? Been touring? I'll start off with the kind of standard yeah well we we have a you know a a changing lineup over the years so the current lineup it's only been about a year and then uh our uh, another fella came in about seven years ago and then the original three of us who are still in the band me mike and ricky we've been at it we've been playing together for about 16 years okay so you know you can pick any of those numbers and say that's how long we've been doing it but me without you started about 16 years ago. Awesome. And, the th- and Ricky, Mike, and I have been been members the whole time. Okay. Now, you are originally from Philadelphia, right? Or... Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's a suburb outside of West Philly called Upper Darby. Okay. And Mike, Rick, well, Mike's my brother, so we grew up in the same house. And then Ricky, our drummer, drew, grew up about uh, a mile or two from there. Okay. So, yeah, we all grew up in Upper Darby. And then um, the other guys grew up in Baltimore and North Carolina, respectively. Okay. Okay. Nice. So, what was the impetus for you guys to make a band, form a band, form me without you? What you know, we were always just trying to find our way. I think it was. I I basically followed my brother into everything. You know, every, whatever. If he was into like sp- sports, I tried to get into sports. If he was a skateboarder, I was a skateboarder. If yeah. he dyed his hair, I dyed my hair. You know, <laughs> and when he got a bass guitar, I got a drum kit, and so we started playing music together and. I mean, not even together, but just at the, around the same time, but in separate kind of crappy guitar, you, rock, you just like punk uh, garage bands, you yeah, know, that yeah. that never went anywhere, maybe had one or two shows in like a local bar or something. But yeah. um, that that puttered along in that on that kind of level for a few years. And then when we started playing with this band, all of a sudden things kind of fell into place. We didn't expect it. We just... We didn't take it very seriously. We never anticipated making a career out of it by any means. But when we had some interest from the label you just mentioned, Tooth and Nail, um, we knew that they had distribution in record stores and connections with all kinds of 
promoters and managers and booking agencies and other bands, of course, that they worked with that, you know, just and yeah. open us up to this whole network that would make it possible for us to, yeah. um, to actually do it for a living. And they, they actually made it clear. They said, if you, if we're going to sign you, we expect you to tour and we expect you to really go <laughs> hard at this. Yeah. And we said, well, that's exactly what we want to do. We just didn't think there was any way it was possible that anybody yeah. would, you know, how do you start that? Yeah. You know, if we didn't have any connections. I mean, it's not exactly true because a couple of us were in a different band, but that, you know, that had a little bit of traction, but it yeah. never really took off to the point where we could make a living at it. Yeah. yeah. So this, it just kind of fell into place in a way that I I can very, very easily imagine it not having happened and us mm. just sort of sputtering out within a few months. But it, it really fell into place very quickly and sort of effortlessly and we all looked at each other and sort of thought, well, God, it was also the same time Mike and I graduated from our, um, got our bachelor's and, and kind of had this new sense of freedom. Like, well, yeah. what are we going to do next? Well, the heck, it's the perfect time to do what you, the, the opportunity that just presented itself to us. So, yeah, yeah it just kind of happened in, in a sort of a uncanny way that uh, I still look back and I'm kind of amazed that, that we had this, this opportunity. What, in terms of... Um major major influences on you personally uh what what would you say are like some of your key well my parents of course yeah. that's got to be the biggest one when i think about how i turned out it's just like it's, hey how's it going it's just a perfect mix of the two of them. you don't have to worry about being quiet or anything it's part of the charm yeah <laughs> um so yeah my parents and as i mentioned my brother i i've i've just taken so much guidance or like followed him so much in my life is he he's your big brother he's 18 months older yeah so (laughs) he was always you know the cool one and i was the dorky one you know (laughs) and um so i i've always you know wanted to be like him and then i got into religion i guess around my senior year in high school i was raised in a religious kind of household so i always had some kind of idea of god being Mm. important but i didn't really make it my own until maybe when I, around when I graduated high school. So then I started to take influence from the Bible because it was a church really and there's yeah. and other religious figures as I as I went along like that my parents had introduced me to. I, I remember I, hearing an interview uh, Sufi uh, man, I can't remember the guy's name that you were talking about. There. Yeah, probably Bawa Muhayyadin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so him and then you know musically there's a whole lot of you know I first thought that came to mind actually was Fugazi and Ian Mackay with um, Minor yeah. Threat like w- the the whole punk scene that was to me an alternative to like what a lot of the kids that I thought were sort of more respected in my high school they were like the the football players and the, the athletic type or the preppy or the wealthier kids the one and they're all drinking and sleeping around and doing you know experimenting yeah. with drugs and things that I was taught not to do and it created real tension because I wanted to be cool but I didn't want to disobey my parents yeah. Well, I found about punk music and kids who were, they called straight edge, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, when I heard about straight edge, I was so <laughs> excited that there was a way that I could be good and cool at the same time. You know, here's like a, a subculture that really values and, uh, yeah. uh, sobriety or clarity of thought and self-control yeah. and uh, had some sense of moral direction rather than like the sort of nihilistic... Um, you know, party culture that yeah. was prevalent, yeah, the, yeah, and the, that the hedonism that just consumes itself, kind of. Exactly, yeah. I was, and you know, of course, every. I mean, I, I, at that age, I really wanted to be accepted and fi- find my place, and and punk music was, as, as I understood that, 
Um, which, as I as I said, really to me, like the main, the first thing that really clicked was Minor Threat, and then later Fugazi with you know Ian Mackay with his moral disposition that he really yeah. seemed to have an ethical bent that he wanted to take seriously um, the questions of how we should live and yeah. uh, pushing back against um, dominant oppressive systems mm-hmm. uh, was a really inspiring thing. And when you put that to cool music, then you have a really powerful. Yeah. Um, powerful package and that was what really grabbed me and turned me where I think I feel like I first started to find my way and and along the path of what I've kind of turned into at, at I think I'm 38 now my gosh and you know <laughs> and I, I, I can kind of sneaks up on you doesn't it I, yeah really and I, if I look back to like discovering straight edge I was probably 14 or 15 at the time and like and Morrissey and the Smiths and like the and vegetarianism where yeah. having compassion for animals mm-hmm. was again it felt like a countercultural and a, a cool thing to say, wow, yeah. I'm actually gonna do something that's that's morally um, sensitive and it's gonna be it's not gonna be lame, you know, it's actually yeah. gonna be beautiful and cool in yeah. a way. That was really empowering for me. Do you see so uh Colin, when he, he I, I had the guys write in questions. I was like, if we can't do Skype, you got to write them in. We all talk about how much we love the lyrics. The lyrics are something. So Luke is the music man. He's the guy that you can ask him about anything, and he just has this ongoing catalog in his brain. In fact, part of our show used to be, at the end of the show, we'd be like, well, what are you listening to? And I would just say, like, uh, well, I'm listening to audiobooks right now, which is what I did last week and the week before. And yeah. it's like, oh, come on! But, you know, he's always like, oh, I'm listening to Amangar Jazz. And I'm like, just saying that. <laughs> you know, like, it's so yeah. beyond me. But for me, ever since I was a little kid, what always hooked me, and this is probably why I love poetry and whatnot, but what always hooked me was the lyrics. Like, you know, my the kind of the Christian thing, right? You, you have your high school conversion. We always joke about, like, okay, now it's time to destroy all my heathen CDs or, at that time, cassette tapes, you know, and, and get my Christian version of, you know, Tupac or whatever. Um but we would we would talk about how, you know, you try to play it off like, oh, it's just a beat. That's all I care about, just the beat. But for me, it was always the lyrics. And um, Colin wrote, why do you, he, he thinks one of the great things about your, the music and the lyrics and how they interact really speaks to what he said, two, two different things, transcendence and longing. Like, you're not afraid, you have biblical illusions, you have, you know, divine, spiritual, you, you bring up... Um, themes of at least you know in my mind of kind of like the hopelessness or the nihilism of materialism like stuff doesn't equal happiness um and you weave it throughout your music where i don't know so he also said the other aspect is the, there's a deep sense of longing in your music and that's what most appeals to him and he uses your lyrics which is so funny because i'm a speaker i'm a catholic speaker uh i travel around and give talks and whatnot but uh we both use the lyrics from the band, like in one, our prayers, he does it in homilies and sermons that he gives in the middle of mass. You know, I use it. Uh, I'm really trying to weave in King Beetle on a coconut estate into some talk somehow. I, I've talked about it with my kids and they just look at me like, what? I'm like, come on, why not be utterly changing the fire? But, uh, so where, where do you, is, is it, are you still drawing on spiritual experience or spiritual authors? And I mean, like red cow has, um, what was some of the lyrics you referenced? The Blessed Mother and, you know, all these biblical allusions. Well, what are you, I don't know, what are you steeped in right now? What are you uh, reading, thinking about, talking about? Sure. Well, 
gosh, right now, I have to admit, it's been mostly my family yeah. and um, the guys in the band with me. Right now, we're at the tail end of a tour that is um, somewhere between five and seven weeks, depending on how you calculate it. But it's a long time of being together yeah. uh, with a little bit of break in the middle. But okay. we've been through a lot recently um, of difficulty and sometimes that has a way of bringing people closer together <laughs> and at least for us we've really been brought closer together through some difficulties we've had yeah. and that's been really wonderful to feel so close to them right now and I haven't been reading very much and I haven't been consuming very much in terms of music or movies or TV we are on tour with Circus Survive and Turnover who are two bands that we've um, you know, been exposed to through, you know, more than ever through this tour, so we listen to them, you know. But honestly, I haven't been reading or consuming very much um, other than the relationships of the, the uh, guys in the band and with my wife and daughter. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of wanted to address, um, before I forget, the first thing, how, how you began that question was something Colin was noticing about the transcendence and the longing yeah and you mentioned a lack of fulfillment in material materialism yeah. if i remember rightly well like you have a you know one of the early songs if i come without a thing i come with all i need you know things like that like i used to write that down and i would go to adoration in our chapel and just like okay jesus <laughs> like yeah. if i come without a thing you know th those kind of things like really yeah it's liquid. something that um there's a kind of a push and pull of being for me sometimes steeped in in the material world and the concern I mean there's there's all kinds of different implications of the term materialism and for some that might call to mind you know wanting to have fancy cars and jewelry and expensive clothes and yeah. you know a, a status symbol kind of a yeah. house you know more and consumerism that, consumerism and that that, that 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 form of materialism isn't very appealing to me but there's another way of looking at just I mean a, a kind of a focus on the material world mm -hmm. which is a little bit more all-encompassing and it's a little yeah. harder to escape that kind of like a, a philosophy of materialism like believing that this maybe some people a lot of people of course believe this material world is all there is to existence yeah and uh, it's hard to tease out you know without getting too much into the semantics of what Colin might have or you might mean by that uh, I, I do want to address the concept of longing and transcendence insofar as I have felt um, certainly um, a disillusionment with any uh, amount that I've ever put my trust in acquiring stuff or trying to have nice things or fancy stuff. You know, that form of materialism is so bankrupt. Right. To me, in my life, it's, it, it's never been very compelling. Why do you think that is? Why do you think for some people it owns them? Like the vanity is, you know, vanity status before others and then for others, it just... I sure don't know. I could come back to my parents saying how influential they've been. And if you yeah. could, and my father uh, died about almost seven years ago. But, God, if you, should have, if you could have seen him, you'd realize like, he just didn't have a, a, a materialist, you know, a, yeah. a bone in his body that was inclined that way. He looked like a, a somewhere between a, a homeless person and a mental patient, you know. And he, <laughs> and, uh, he didn't seem aware of that. He yeah. was just tuned into a different thing, and my mom, you know, she she she's similar in some ways. She's just not she's not into that stuff. And so I was raised in a poor family where, like, 
the idea of having money. I mean, my grandparents had money, but it never seemed to make them happy. So I just never, you know, I, I, to answer your question, I don't know why some people are inclined that way. But what I wanted to say was that I, I don't, I'm careful not to say, you know, because I've, I'm interested in these trans, these themes of transcendence or longing, which I think you guys rightly identify. I mean, it's, it's a good way of putting it. Um, I, I don't ever want to make the assumption that I'm speaking about the universe, any kind of universal human condition, you know, mm-hmm. which I have think for a long time I, I did assume that I've had this longing or a feeling of not being totally at home in this world. And you mm-hmm. talk about the material world, like, I don't know. If, like, when I hear, for example, the, I, that imagery of a pilgrim, you know, you've yeah. heard The Way of a Pilgrim, that yeah. book, The Way of a Pilgrim, or like The Wayfaring Stranger, you know, that, that old hymn. Yeah. Um, that kind of imagery of not, you know, we're in, we're in the world, but we don't, we're not of it, you know, we don't fully belong. It's just something that always felt right to me. Like, yeah, yeah like, I, no matter how hard I try, I can't totally feel like this is it for me. Like, this yeah. is where I completely belong, and I'm totally at home in my skin, and I'm totally fulfilled. I don't want to claim that that is any proof that there is some great beyond or that there is some kind of spiritual reality that goes beyond the material world because there's sometimes honestly that I feel like I don't need for there to be some other spiritual world that's like spatially different and somewhere else and some beyond time you know because sometimes I think it might actually be right here and right now but just a different way of perceiving reality and a different way of yeah. thinking of the self in relation to other selves and in relation to reality that would kind of bring you out of the ego and being a person in the world and give you a different relationship to the world that in a sense could be seen as non-materialistic because you're no longer bound by your body if nothing else yeah. so what I'm trying to say is it's not necessarily like I'm even a religious concept, you know, but to yeah. me, I'm very, very comfortable being considered religious or considering myself religious religious, or using religious language or referencing yeah. scriptures and different traditions of Christianity or Islam or Judaism or whatever I was raised with. I have a lot of love for those stories and for those traditions and those cultures. Yeah. So I like using that imagery, but I'm also careful because for a lot of people, I think there's like more like a fundamentalist bent where they are taking these certain images and stories and taking them literally and saying like, well, we're the ones who are right and other people are wrong and it gets to be more divisive and sort of arrogant thing. Mm -hmm. And I have that tendency too. I want to avoid that. So I treat religion with like a lot of respect, but also sometimes with like caution because I don't want it to be, I don't want want to to encourage all that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be hurtful. So it's hard to know what other people interpret, you know, your words yeah. as meaning. So I um, sometimes try to, like, put the brakes on and say, maybe I don't want to declare these things. Of, like, thus saith me, this is how it is, because <laughs> someone else could, like, yeah. you know. T- yeah. So my relationship with those concepts, concepts is change, changing. Yeah. But uh, I think to, 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 to kind of try to wrap it up, it's like, I think you guys are right in identifying those themes but I also want to be careful to say, like, at this point, I'm expressing my experiences, but I don't know that I'm that they imply that 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 
anybody else needs to feel longing or any kind of a desire for transcendence. Yeah. It's just who, it's just say my blood. I can't, I can't escape it. Yeah. And And it comes across like, uh, tonight, uh, when I was going from the back and, you know, fighting through the sea of people, you know, trying to get closer to the stage, um, just hearing the lyrics like, um, about, you know, the bicycle falling apart and the, you know, the wheel detaching from the frame and yeah, it's still rolling, but it's aimlessly wandering or rolling around or whatever. Like, I think like to to me, literally I was struggling with atheism in my own life and just like, all right, Lord, this, but that, that line, like just that line was like this, this drive towards purpose that I have in my, that I've experienced in my own life. Like, uh, you know, philosophically, you know, I I study philosophy and I just purpose and and, uh, the human how much the human heart like pushes against purposelessness you know it it dry we we are just driven to seek purpose psychologically and all this stuff and just hearing that lyric for me was like uh and i actually i was a youth minister at the time and i just shared the song with the kid and i said just read these lyrics think about it because he was like oh atheism i want to be an atheist and that notion of like yeah i'm still alive but i am aimless if there's not if I feel like this is it and this this defines me and I don't even know what this is, then I feel limited, like I'm a fish out of water kind of thing. Whereas, you know, I don't know. So um so that was one of the one of the key things that I know Colin was was super stressing, like because he it's so funny to hear him give his homilies because I, I he he records some of them and he'll have like little lyrics just peppered in there and uh people are like, Oh he he preaches, he has a very young congregation and you know, very and they'll come up and be like, that was very poetic. And it's like, well, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was me without you, right? But, um, yeah, so and I don't know. you ask me and I say, it wasn't me. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. me. It was Rumi. It was, yeah. <laughs> so Luke was telling me that one of the lyrics that I've actually quoted in a talk, movement, um, if you ask me for a sign of the Father, it is movement, movement, and repose. Yeah. And that is from Gospel of Thomas, right? <laughs> Or something like that. You know what? It, uh, I don't know. It's one of those old, early Christian texts. You know, yeah. I mean, that was from I think our second album. Yeah, which probably came out about twelve or thirteen years ago now. My gosh. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, at the time I was reading a lot of the Desert Fathers and the early uh, the Christian the the early Christians text that didn't make it into the bible mm. you know so i wouldn't be surprised if it's gospel yeah, thomas gnostic text yeah and stuff yeah like that. right mm. so it's definitely from that from that world but i can't remember which one you're yeah. probably right i think it was gospel of thomas yeah. yeah uh so you read a lot of the church fathers a lot would you would you say i don't know who would you consider the church fathers well you the desert fathers yeah maybe um i don't know anthony of the desert yeah Athanasius. definitely i mean I had a book by actually a, a, a Catholic guy, Thomas Merton. You're familiar with him, I'm sure. So the ridiculousness of you saying that is, I actually was going to give you a present today of something that I thought maybe you would like, and it was Thomas Merton's Seven Story Mountain. Oh, wow! And I actually stole it from a coworker because cool. I knew she had it. I mean, not cool, but yeah. <laughs> and I left it at my office, and I was so bummed because I'm a big dumb animal. But uh, well, for what it's worth, I uh, I have read that. And yes. it's what is it's probably my favorite book by yeah. him. Yeah. And um, 
it's probably just as well that you you know maybe you can <laughs> return it to its I guess I'll have rightful to. <laughs> owner. But um, thank you for thinking of it. I strangely have like a pretty. I've amassed sort of a large collection of specifically Thomas Merton books mm. that I haven't read yet. <laughs> so to get another one Me now too. that I have read <laughs> yeah, is yeah. like probably not the most Good. essential Good. Good. Um, addition to my life right now. So, so thank you for the thought because you're right on the money in like a, in like thinking mm. of that I would like him as I yeah. do. I really do adore him. Cool. Uh, and that book in particular. But um, yeah, there was at the at the time of that of our second album I was reading a, the, a book called the uh, I think it's called Wisdom of the Desert okay. which is yeah, a yeah. collection of the uh, Desert Fathers the sayings of the Desert Fathers compiled by Merton right. it might have been he I might have so. translated them as well but I okay. don't know I don't remember what what other what what his role was fully but the book was you know in his name yeah. but he compiled all these sayings and you know they were just short and powerful and it uh, might have been that the the utterly changed into fire one you mentioned. I was literally going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story that King Beetle story is is from Bawa Muhayyadin. Okay, my dad told it to me, so it definitely came from the Sufi world into my mm. life. But th- that last line was from the Desert Fathers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I that's why I, I feel like I can use it in a talk. <laughs> and yeah. I, was, I was talking with a bunch of kids at a vacation Bible school, and I was like, okay, just pretend there's a bunch of beetles. And they're like, what? Yeah. Like, we can make it. We can make it. The beetle came summoning his men from the top of the rhododendron says them. Calling all volunteers who can carry back here. The great mysteries been lit once again. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so that, okay, good deal. Because on our earlier episode, one of the episodes of the podcast, um, Someone had asked us, why did you call it, you know, um, Catching Foxes? And we we spent a whole episode on on your music, starting from the first time, the first song Luke ever introduced me to you, which was um, uh, Norma Jean, um, uh, Memphis was laid to waste, or I think I'm missing the title up, but and now I'm listening to the music, and I like Norma Jean, but wasn't super into it, and then I hear your very distinct vocals coming through, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this is new." And I, you know, I'm a guy that listens to mostly pop type music, and that was the thing that got us hooked. Yeah. And so it kind of worked its way out. But we used to um, talk about. I mean, we would literally sit around and just go over your lyrics. Do you find that weird that? That the stuff that means a lot to you and where you're coming from, how it gets taken up by other people and appreciated and reinterpreted and re-understood from their own life story. Like, here I am, a, a Catholic. I work for the church. I, you know, have a million kids and all this stuff. And I'm reading your song lyrics, and it means, you know, it's it, it impacts my life. Is that... How, how do you process that as an artist? That's... That's a good question. I I don't do a lot of processing of that. Okay. Usually, if anybody, if I come across that any indication of that, I just try to you know sort of step at step aside, you know, and yeah. sort of like if that and let it pass by me, you know, because it's not something I particularly want at this point is to have a big uh, impact. Maybe that's not true, but I, as best I can tell, where I'm at in my life is being 
contents or is a little bit smaller. Maybe there was a time when I was younger, I wanted people to hear my ideas and I wanted yeah. to get up in front of a crowd and explain what I thought about God or about yeah. religion and Jesus. And, all. and Did you ever do that at a music festival, have the mandatory preaching time for... Oh, yeah. there was, well, <laughs> we, we played a bunch of years at a festival called Cornerstone. Yeah, that's in Illinois. That's Luke's and I would, jam. Um, it, was, it was, to me, I mean, something I... Honestly, I look forward to it more than our, our music set oh. was giving a, a talk and going up and or sometimes a question answer kind of session and and I, I'm not putting that down because there was a there was a, to, to me a real excitement about that trying to dig into d- those ideas and I, I at the same time I'm I'm reluctant to just sort of blankly affirm people's beliefs so if we, that was a, fe- a festival that was widely considered to be a Christian festival yeah so a lot of people that are coming there are from the church or identify as Christian, and so I could say something about Jesus that would affirm their beliefs and get applause for it, for example. Mm-hmm. And it could get all mixed up with the big head trip of, well, look, I'm saying these things. People like it. It must be valid and accurate or true. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily correct, you know. And so I think when you're, when you're talking about this big, giant concept of God— and 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 this ultimate reality um i think there's a danger in presenting let me speak for myself i feel that there's a danger in presenting myself as any kind of authority yeah in that in that on that in that world or on that on that level hi sweet girl hi beautiful hi i love you birdie hi hi sweetheart remember mike right (laughs) yeah you remember mike he makes the kitty sound. Meow, meow, meow. Oh, that's meow. it. That's the kitty. That's the kitty. You remember Mike? <laughs> yeah. You having a good time with mommy? Oh, bless you. Oh. Or he's been sick today. Yeah, I heard you woke up with a cold. Oh my gosh. Oh. Did she ever bless you, little girl? Oh. She was uh, full of phlegm. It was... Oh, it's the worst. Oh that's my the gosh, worst. she sounded like Daffy Duck. <laughs> so we got, we went to Whole Foods and got her a bunch of supplements and remedies and fruits and we're trying to boost our little immune system mm-hmm. get we? it out get yeah. it out we love you so much nice you're such a good girl you want oh. me to come back there she wants daddy oh sweetheart we can totally wrap you. this up well uh, what do you think little girl I'm doing a little po- uh, podcast we call this a podcast we're you want talking. you want to be on the show into the microphones there you go you, you're invited to be part of it What do you think? What does the kitty cat say? Is she good at talking? Or at, at like making sounds or? You know, she on her own time. Yeah. You know, Maybe um, not with a microphone and a stranger. Yeah. We'll see. I don't think so. Although she is kind of a showboat. She likes to sh- go oh, yeah. and stand when nice. she gets an audience. Oh my god! Ham it up. Isn't that right, Birdie? Mm. She, what the problem is, she probably doesn't realize how many people she could be performing for right now because she doesn't see them. Heard by dozens. So if there were dozens <laughs> in the room, oh, she would probably be talking up a storm. Isn't that right? You say, la, la, la. You say that? You say, la, la, la. La, la, la. Is he being silly? Is he being silly? I think he is. <laughs> Is 
<laughs> there you go. Hey, you goofball. There you go. There you go. Trying to see if any if I have any questions that I could throw at you, and then Mwah. we can end it. I'm ready. To eat. <laughs> there we go. That's more like it. I completely agree. I mean, not completely, but basically. I don't want to nitpick, but I basically agree with you. <laughs> what do you think? Da. 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 You're a sweet girl. What does a cow say? <laughs> Who mooed? Who mooed? Moo my cheese. How long y'all been married? I think it'll be three years in June. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How about you guys? Uh, we've been married for almost eight years, and at the end of June. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, June twenty seventh. Uh, we were in grad school, and she finished before me. Went back to St. Louis, and I was in Ohio, and I finished up a week before we got married, and had a couple gas cards that got me from. <laughs> From college to St. Louis, from Ohio to St. Louis, and then we uh, got married at the end of that week. It was awesome. It was kind of a funny story. So my wife, my wife uh, is obs- she is a Britney Spears type music. That is that fun, poppy, loud, yeah. you know. And so I told her, me and my wife only got in two fights planning our wedding. Right? Who are the people we're going to invite, and uh, what music are we going to play? Because I said we have to have one "Me Without You" song in the at the reception, and that caught uh oh, that, that was a big fight, fight big fight. Because she's like, I want everyone to dance, and so sure enough, so we got it, uh, we got it going, and <laughs> cleared the entire dance floor in a sweater poorly knit. Oh, <laughs> Came no. out, and then me and Luke got up, got around, and we just started dancing up a storm. I'm sorry. No, it was yeah, perfect. It not, was it's, it's not, not your traditional we're not wedding that kind music. Of, we're not that kind of band, yeah. I guess. <laughs> oh, it was one of my favorite memories though. Hello. Hey goofy girl. Alrighty, we can wrap up now so you guys can have family time, which is much more important. Much more important. Well, we could also do it another t- another time. Do like another installment if we can work out the Skype. I'm I'm so bad with technology. I was afraid if I said, "Yeah, let's do it over Skype," I wouldn't be able to figure Skype out. Yeah, you know, which like puts me like ten years. I don't know, <laughs> fifteen years. I don't know how long Skype's been around, but I still I'm pretty inept. So when you come here and give me a microphone and you do all the recording, it's like, all right, that I can do. Yeah, well, I want it to be easy. I mean, I know this is this is your downtime post show, so I don't want to. But that's why I was like, I can literally, you guys can come over to my house if you want, and I'll make you some food. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I would I would love to have done that. It's just, as I said, no, you yeah. know, the, on tour, there's like a rhythm that we have, yeah. and, and there's like a protocol of like, we, you know, we try to get to the city where we're playing, everybody, but we drive through the night sometimes, wait, yeah. and like in this case, this morning, wake up at a Whole Foods, and everybody can just go do their own thing and yeah. get what they want to eat and just you know get some downtime so whenever we try to like if we deviate from the routine yeah. like almost without fail somebody is going to be unhappy about it so i've learned to limit how much i um yeah uh, what's the word i'm looking for would instigate a kind of a deviation because oh, yeah, absolutely. I, if i absolutely. do then i'll feel responsible for everybody you know having yeah. a good time i think you know what? I'm just going to go with the flow and like let our tour manager make the decisions. And if th- something goes wrong, it's on him. You know? <laughs> nice. 
And are you enjoying the tour life? No, mostly, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Birdie loves it. Birdie loves it? She's yeah. thriving on the tour bus? She does well, it's great that she has a... My oldest daughter loves hamming it up for other people. Uh-huh. Loves it. My other daughter... my I have two girls, two boys. Katiri, in front of crowds, loves it. Cecilia, hands up over... Like, she'll just put her Aww. hand over her face and... Yeah, she can't. She could never do this life. Yeah, yeah. And it's not one of those things that she could learn because daddy does stuff like this all the time. And I'll be like, hey, my Cecilia's going to come up and talk on the microphone. And she's out the door and she just runs. Runs far. What is she now? Uh, She's five now. So it's six, five. And my boy Noah is three. And my boy Thomas is uh, a little older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Got her hands full. And my wife decided to start homeschooling this year. Wow. Because she didn't want to deal with car lines and all the stuff that surrounds going to school today so mm. not even the school the school's great but everything that goes with it we were just like we're gonna, we're just gonna back it up we're gonna wow. back it up so she teaches them at home which is wild which is wild well good deal so we'll we'll just wrap it up and y'all can do your thing and i'll get out of your hair And now we cut to the after show. As I'm driving from the tour bus back home at 11 o'clock at night, Luke and Colin Parrish get on the phone together, get on Skype together, and have a conversation, eagerly waiting for me to arrive. So, again, I end up calling in through Skype on my iPhone to the two guys. So, again, the audio is a little wonky, but um, we recap the day. I think it was so funny, my recap of what just happened. Uh, So I hope you like this, too. God bless. Man, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, this I know, audio. man. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Man, I'm sorry that uh, that you weren't able to be a I, part of that. Well, I feel bad. I, I I had like even when I did it, like I had like you know started like the whole. By the way, I, sorry. Side note to that, their manager. I don't know what Gomer's experience with their manager was, but he answered when I called number one, and he was like, and oh, he was cool. like super like. He was a little annoyed at Aaron, <laughs> and, and he, yeah, and he was, and he I'm was sure. like, yeah, like just you know, if you want to set this up, just talk to me next time because I can schedule it directly, and it'll be like set in stone. And I'm like, you're like super helpful, and like I don't know, <laughs> I I was expecting just to like be bothering somebody, but you didn't really sound like I was bothering you. I was kind of impressed. Oh, that's uh, sorry. Funny. Anyway, the but. Now, participating in this, like I, I was, I had this kind of realization when I invited. It's like you know, I, I'm inviting myself into two people's lives here, and I shouldn't really expect to be. Um, I just maybe just want to give it. Like I just kind of expected to give a free gift, as it were, like in that way, because like I, I think mm. that there's. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really. I was going to be happy if I could be on the podcast and in that in like an interview. And I was also kind of terrified at the same time. Um, and I was just like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of needs to be for them more often than, you know, more than honestly, it just needs to be for you too. So I wasn't worried about it at all. Like about not being on the interview or whatever. So. Oh, well that's, I super appreciate it because I don't know. This is just kind of like a I don't know. It's a good gift for us. I know it sounds weird, but 
Um, yeah. Thanks a lot, man. That's really cool. Yeah, no problem, man. The, um, yeah. And I, I was, I, yeah, I wish I could do interviews in general. I kind of get nervous about the idea of doing an interview, but I mean, it's just not, not having had practice, I suppose. Oh. But, Let's yeah. see. I, no, dude, I'm the same way. So I don't ever, I like, I'm not good at interviewing people. I'm the worst. There's a, there's a band I've been listening to from this hardcore band, post hardcore band from Brooklyn called Big Ups. Mm-hmm. And they have, their lyrics are phenomenal. They're atheists. But they they really express the human heart really well, right? The human heart without Christ, uh, like just the natural desire of the human person, like the t- desire for totality and for love, right? And they have this one lyric. They have a song called "Hope for Someone," and the the refrain of the song is "Why uh, Why live in the moment when the moment is broken?" Uh, like I I hope there's hope for someone, but there won't be unless we fix it. Right now, I disagree mm. with this, these comments on many levels, but uh, because, but I, but I'm, I, there's a reasonableness to it if you don't have Jesus, and like I, I'm just impressed that they're able to verbalize that, right? As as like saying, like you know, what what is there for my life if everything, if if my life, if everything around me is not is not fulfilling, why 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 not distract myself? Right, like who who in the world is able to say that? So I, I almost wanted like just get, call the manager and just be like, "Can I get an interview with these guys?" I'm just really impressed with the lyrics. <laughs> That's awesome. Just, so I just want to talk to them. Be real. Yeah, honest. yeah. I might just do that. Fuck it. Like so. Did the, <laughs> like uh, that's actually pretty cool. Why not be free about it? So like. I wonder if that ever happens to a band to a band like that. Hmm. Like if I could... I tried to. Oh, sorry. I tried to do that with Sufjan Stevens, but he's Sufjan Stevens is kind of an asshole. He's you know, and he's 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 pretty wounded, so I don't hold it against him. But um, how so. is he an asshole? I mean, I could see that. He he kind of, he's just he's pretty cold and. Um, Call me. Is he cold in, in the sense like he just doesn't like people? Because I could see him being the kind of guy where everyone is just trying to go to him to get something. Yeah, there's that. There's that. He, and I think that's a big dynamic. And and also he's, uh, you know, he's. I think he's very wary of exposing his private life, his inner life to people that isn't in a mediated way, which I think is totally reasonable. Yeah. Uh, and, but he comes off as this kind of coldness that, you know, and I think he's in the, when I've seen interviews with him, he just comes off as kind of a jerk, but hello. Hey, hey. Are, are you there? How's it going, y'all? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. How are, how, yes. Oh, good. I, yeah, I, I don't see you on here. But, but well, I, I don't can, have the. I can't do the video while I'm driving. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, like, I can't see that you're on the oh, call, okay. but that's fine. Okay, so tell us everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything sucked tonight until the music started. I'm staring behind a big bald man, and I'm just like, this is a metaphor for tonight. At least I can listen to the music. 
<laughs> and then, which was great, but they play like seven songs. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of effort for seven songs, you yeah. know, or six songs, whatever. Who listens to Circus Survive anymore? Come on. I played it, and I was like, oh, I don't know this last song. So then I go out and I go up to the manager, Mike, who's selling the merch, and I go, hey, man, so if I want to try to do this, should I go wait by their van? And he goes, yeah, yeah, just go out there, over by the white van. And I was like, the, or the bus. And I'm like, the, the, the bus. Yeah, just go wait for him. Okay. <laughs> so I'm standing there like an idiot. And I'm um, chatting it up with John, the guy that runs the back gate. And uh, became friends with a homeless man named Keith. So that was fun. Nice. And uh, I offered him a Coke Zero. And he's like, I don't drink that stuff. And I was like, you drink urine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's the best stuff ever. Anywho, so uh, Aaron walks by, he's shirtless, carrying a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, eh, do you need some help? And he goes, uh, actually, yeah. So I walk up there, and I go, hi, I'm, I'm Gomer, uh, Mike. And he go, or I go, I'm Gomer. And he goes, oh, Mike, wonderful. Gomer, I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is we'll just, you want to just come on my bus? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and so that's what we did. So, so like, many great nights like, started with that. Show. What's that? I said there were so many uh, great nights started with that conversation. Maybe, <laughs> maybe let's just do it. Um, and so I, uh, he said, you know what I like to do after a show? And I was like, what's that? And he's like, I like to shower, change out of this stuff. I go, oh yeah, totally. My backpack with all my equipment is on the. Uh, is in my car and he goes it'll take me like 10 minutes I was like dude that's cool that's cool take as long as you want I'm not in any hurry and I don't want to inconvenience you he's like no 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 my wife and kid are on the bus it'll be fine we'll we'll just do it and I was like sweet okay so I walk over there and uh grab all my gear take a minute call up Shannon piss myself walk back <laughs> and and he's and I'm, I'm just expecting to like wait out the bus and do whatever he wants and he sees me. He's like, come in, come in. So I go in there and his old beat out bus. He's living the van lifestyle. He's converted the inside of the bus, the front end, into like, uh, you know, kitchen and couches. And then the back is all like bunk beds and stuff. It, it's just like all the YouTube videos I watch. <laughs> so, so many boxes being checked. Oh yeah, I gosh. know, I know, I know, it was incredible. At one point I go, my wife is going to kill me. She was like, what? And I'm like, I'm living the bus life, a tiny home on a bus. And they started laughing. They're like, do you have one? And I was like, no, no, I have four kids. They wouldn't let me do that. And they're like, oh, it's awesome. So, uh, so funny. But, um, so I sit there and I, and we're just talking up a storm and, I, I'm pulling out all my equipment for my bag, and I'm like, I, I really want to tell him to stop talking so we can record it all because it was just great stuff. We're just shooting the breeze, and I met his little daughter. He called her Birdie. Her name's Margaret um, Sparrow, and so we're talking and and all this stuff, and it was just great. And then I'm like, I got to get this going, so I'm like hurrying up trying to connect things. He's like a microphone, huh? and I was like, Yeah. I said, is, is that okay? And he's like, No, it's just I don't want you know like. Maybe I can lay it here. And I go, well, you know what I do is I just put it in my hand and I put it on top of my fat man shelf and it just rests there. And he's like, yeah, I don't have that. So I was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but, uh, 
but no, he, he just crossed his arms and was able to hold it naturally close to his mouth. And I just upped the game, sat on his bus, and we talked for about 45 minutes. Great. Uh, no, about 35 35 minutes. So, all, uh, like, in, like, one sentence, how would you describe the uh, conversation? Uh, very, um, so I would say awkwardly forced to very casual. Like, you know, I'm sitting there, and, you know, we don't know each other, so I'm, he is so nice and so loving and, like, hey, how you doing, Mike? He must hug me four times. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the band came in at the end, and they, I mean, not, not all of them, uh, but most of them were there. They were so funny, and one guy just ripped the mic out of his hand and was like, hey, everybody, I'm the real deal, not all these other chumps. <laughs> was, 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 he, was, was he the drummer? Uh, well, the drummer came on last, oh, and okay. he was really funny. He was really funny. Um and me and him actually got to talking a little bit at the end, but after I had put everything away. And I was like, can I get a picture of you guys for, like, our show's album art? And they were like, yeah, man, that'd be great. We'll, do, we'll love it. And then uh, his wife's like, I'll take the picture. And I was like, well, I thought I'd get a picture of all of you. And they're like, you don't want to be in the picture with us? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. <laughs> I was so nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. How about you guys just take a picture of me? That's what I should have said. That's so great. That's so... Yeah, so we talked. So really, the funny thing is, uh, guys, your question, there was enough overlap that I felt like I asked and kind of wove them through. Um, like, grouped them together, kind of asked them, sure. you know. I, I, just, I just kind of basically said, so a lot of your songs have... Uh, you know, a lot, they deal with a lot of that, like, transcendence of life, especially over, like, simple materialism. And then he kind of opened up about, basically, his stance is, I really feel like there has to be more than this life, but sometimes this life seems to be all that there could be in a good way. Like, there's so much that this is where the value is. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I want to go into St. Thomas Aquinas so much right now, and Aristotle and you know, and I, you know, I had so many different places I wanted to take the conversation. This little girl would come in, and he would get distracted, and you know, I would talk to her while he, you know, and I just felt so bad that I'm taking him away from dad time. So I ended up wrapping it up early, kind of actually in the middle of some good conversation. But I was like, "No, nah, man, this is this is your thing, and uh, I think it's great. I think what you're doing is great." And, then she came, the wife came back in, sat down, Kay, and uh, held the baby, and we all just kind of talked, and that's when the band was all in there, and they're like, dude, we know you, right? And I was like, no, and then they're like, dude, he's like Mike Parmesan, or whatever the guy's name was, they're like, oh my gosh, that's totally it, oh, he's a great guy, you'll love him. Oh. Did you tell but, them that, uh, you're from, that your parents are, are, are from Philly? I was about to, and I got I got off of it. No, I didn't. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Did they? Yeah. Can I ask a selfish question? Yeah. Did they, did they talk about me? Did he did he bring up? Yes. Oh, okay. extensively. Uh oh. He's like he's like now which one of you is a priest? It's Colin, right? And I was like, yeah, he's a deacon. He's gonna be a priest. He's like, that's right. He's a, and then when his wife came up, he's like, he's, he's in the seminary, and he's like, hey. Uh, I'm father so and so, and I love you and all this stuff. So uh, yeah. So what he wants to do is, when the tour is over, 
and he gets settled, he's like, let's just have this be an ongoing thing. Oh, God. (laughs) Are you serious? He said, and I'll just talk with you guys and we'll figure out Skype and we'll all just do it together. And he's like, I think that'd be really great. I I really enjoyed where the conversation was going. And I'm kind of sorry that we had to end it where we did. And I was like, I would love that. (laughs) Wow. So very exciting. That sounds like a phenomenal time in an interview. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, by my the God. way, the, yeah. I mean, the, the I manager, just hope. Oh, yeah. The manager over the phone. I don't know what he was like in person, but over the phone, he was super fucking helpful. It, anyway, <laughs> when I when I talked to him, on he the was phone. or was not super helpful. Oh, it was. I don't know what your experience of him was at the moment, but over the phone, he was like really helpful. So. No, he was good, and I want to. Um, I went up to the merch table because I was looking for it, and um, there's a guy just dicking around on his phone the whole time. And so I go, "Hi, are you Mike?" And he goes, "Yeah, are you Mike?" And I was like, "Yeah." I said, "I'm sorry about the mix-up." And he goes, "No, let me tell you what happened." I go, "No, Colin did." He goes, "Oh, good. You talked to Colin." I go, "Yeah, I just did. He, he left me some messages." And he goes, "Okay, you know, here's the deal. If they don't tell me, I don't know, and I can't tell." all the other people. I need to know this stuff. And it was really funny because then we end up doing it and his bandmates come up and they're like, I didn't know you were doing this. I wish you would have told me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. But so I bought a t-shirt yeah. and I tipped them just to smooth it over. I bought my wife a t-shirt and I called her up and I said, did you get the flower uh, one? That was awesome. I did not get the flower one. I got a pink one that I thought would make my wife's face radiate glory but uh i said uh i go shannon i bought you a me without you t-shirt she goes oh great (laughs) (laughs) well number one it's a cute t-shirt and i said and number two um i said i this is gonna be those days in my life and i know you aren't gonna be a part of it but you made it happen so i want you to buy the t-shirt so that every time i see you wearing it (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like you're here with me you made it and she's like okay and I was like I was hoping for an aww but I'll, I'll take an okay <laughs> oh my gosh man that's incredible I am so happy that that, that 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 went well hey guys you guys realize that I was on the tour bus with me without you and chatting it up with the fellas Oh god. That's such bullshit. <laughs> so it was funny because it was funny because he said um he brought up uh, Why Not Be Utterly Changed into Fire and, mm-hmm. uh, oh, what's the other line? What's the other line for the Desert Fathers? So so it was really funny. I said, uh, I go, man, I, I, I kind of feel like an idiot. Um, I was going to bring you a gift. Um, I had hurt, or I, I actually stole it from a coworker, and she gave me permission later. But I thought, like, of all the things I could, I, I, you know, I could give, I was like, what would be the best gift? And I thought, Seven Story Mountain by Thomas Merton. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, it's actually good that you didn't give me because I own that book and I've read it, but I have a stack of Merton books that I haven't read. <laughs> and so to get a Merton book that I had read, it's a good thing. He goes, you can give that back to your coworker. But he read a book <laughs> from Merton called Wisdom from the Desert, and it's just like powerful you know, paragraphs and sentences from – various desert fathers and he was reading through that 
and pulling that stuff out for his, his songs. And so um, there was that line, and I can't remember the other line. But I mean, look, there, guys, there was so much I wanted to say. I wanted to be like, so tell me about, you know, um, you know, why burn poor and lonely? You know, like, let's talk about these songs that the lyrics kind of mystify me. You know, why do you start screaming apparition eyes, apparition eyes, and then <laughs> knock, apparition, knock, apparition eyes. In Red Cow, I don't understand that, but... Uh, why is your drummer so crazy and awesome on stage? <laughs> oh, man. So he had... So that's the first thing I said to him. They were talking, and he said something, and I go... So I said, do you have, like, the world's most, like, powerful fan? And he goes, it is a Lasco uh, industrial fan aimed right at my face. His <laughs> hair dances wildly while he's yes. playing. And people tell him that it looks like an hour-long Pantene Pro-V, you know, like. <laughs> oh, my God. Commercial, shampoo commercial. It does, because it's constantly flowing the whole time and he's like it's awesome isn't it I was like it is oh that's so cool like I'm I have I have never fangirled more in my entire life than I am right now like I, I feel like you just like hooked up with one of the Beatles I'm like tell me all about it <laughs> <laughs> I want to know everything what was he wearing well can I, can I just tell you guys some, <laughs> let me just tell you about why this is awesome right now for me this is because I'm, I'm one of the only, I'm like the only guy I know in the seminary or even my friend groups that listens to this kind of music, right? Like hardcore music yeah. or whatever. And I've never been able to share the intensity and the beauty that I experienced with it with anybody. So I'm just like kind of like my first time ever fangirling, I guess. And I'm just like kind of just totally delighting. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> this is great. And thank, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us uh, get this all together. Hey, you're welcome. I, I just wanted you guys to have a gift, man. And and just kind of, like I said to Luke earlier, just participate in your guys' own desire, you know, for things. Like, that's just, I just appreciate y'all. So, really. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank and you. I, I would love to, like, participate in whatever, like, that, whatever forward thing with the, uh, Aaron is going to be. I mean, that's just amazing. Oh yeah. So that's insane. I'm gosh, kind of in awe right now, to be honest with with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, go over, upload the file um, on to Dropbox so I can hear it. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for my life to be over. Unless you're going to edit it uh, uh, tonight, then it's fine. But don't feel like you have to push yourself. What time is it right now? It's eleven o'clock. Hey, is it? Did you record what we just did? This little conversation.